One of the things you may know to me or you may not know about me is that I love to travel. And so I love going different places, seeing different things. And on one of the travels I went on, uh, we we went just between kind of Burnett and Marble Falls to the to Longhorn Caverns, I, I think is what they were called. And when we we're going down there in, in these caverns, it's like this kind of like cave type thing. As you're walking in there, we go down into this cave, and we're walking, and we're walking, and we're walking, and it's lit up the whole way, and they're telling you, don't touch these things, and don't touch those things, but you can just stay on this path, and you're going, and you're going, and you're going, and when you get pretty good ways down there, there's a couple of things you notice. One, it's not near as hot as it was outside. It feels really good inside the cavern. It's really good inside the cave, but the other thing you notice is when you get to a certain spot, they say, okay, everyone stop, don't move stay where you're at, we're gonna cut the lights off. And they cut the lights off. And when you're that far into a cave and they cut the lights off, it is dark. So dark, you cannot see your hand in front of your face, dark. And then he took a little match and he lit a match and that one match lit up everything around us. You could see everything clearly, people's facial expressions, everything. And so it was so dark in that cave, but that one tiny little flame revealed everything. You could see everything. It's kind of like when you're outside and it's dark and it's a new moon. You know, when the moon's not shining, it's just dark outside and you're outside and it's really, really, really dark. I remember one time I was hog hunting when it was dark with a new moon and we could not see anything. We're walking through there because we're really smart walking in the dark in the middle of a pasture and all of a sudden we're here and a bunch of little piglets and stuff running around us and running beside us, this, that, the other, but you can't really see anything. Why? Because it's dark, dark. But then on a full moon, it's completely different. A full moon, it's bright. The moon is shining bright. You can see everything. You can see really far in front of you, even at night when the moon is bright and when it is shining. But the fascinating thing for me about the moon is that the moon does not actually have any light of its own. The moon has no light. The moon simply reflects the light of the sun. It's kind of like if you take a flashlight and you point the, the flashlight in a mirror and you turn it on and the light bounces off the mirror back in whatever angle it was bouncing from it to. It, it's the same way with the, with the moon. When the, when the sunlight hits the moon, the moon reflects that light back onto earth and that's what makes it look like the moon is shining, but the moon has no light of its own. And the neat thing about that is that we're told that all of creation testifies to the fact that there is a God, that there is a creator. And I'm a firm believer that in a lot of things in creation, you can see things in what God has made that help point you to spiritual truths. They're not going to tell you all the spiritual truths. Those things come from the Bible. But we can look at the things that God has created and see them as kind of pictures of spiritual truths. And one of those pictures is that of the moon. You see, the moon reflecting the sun's light is a great picture of what we are called to do as Christians. As Christians, we are called to reflect the light of God, his goodness, his righteousness, his truth, his holiness. And the thing about that is we, by our nature, we don't have any actual light of our own. The light that we have, where does it come from? Well, it comes from God. 
We reflect his light, his goodness. And, and we're told more than that in scripture. And in the passage we're looking today, we're, we're actually told we don't just reflect the light of God. We actually become the light of God by our faith in Christ. That by our faith in Christ, we no longer just reflect the light, but we actually become the light of God. Uh, we see in, in 2 Peter that by our faith, by God's gracious call that he's put on our life, we become partakers of the divine nature. That doesn't mean that we become God because we don't. We're still people. But what that points to is the fact that when we trust Christ, we are united with Christ. Paul says in Ephesians 2 that we're raised up with Christ and seated with Christ to the heavenly places. We're united with Christ and we have the Holy Spirit of God that dwells inside of us. And so because we have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us, we no longer just reflect the light of God. We radiate that light from our own self. As followers of Christ, as we have trusted God, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and the Holy Spirit inside of us radiates the light of God from us. So we no longer just reflect, we actually shine brightly for God, the very light of God. As we live in the light, as we live in the goodness, the righteousness, and the truthfulness of God, we bring light into the world, and we light up the darkness. And so since Christians are the light in God, since we're the light in Christ, we as Christians, we're called to live as children of the light, to live in that light. And so if you would, turn with me to Ephesians in chapter 5. If you would take your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 5. If, if you do not have a Bible and you're in here with us, there should be a black Bible in the pew in front of you. That's going to be on page 919 in that Bible. Page 919 on the Bible that's in the pew in front of you. If you do not own a Bible, feel free to take that one as our gift to you this morning. And so as we, as we turn to this passage and as we look at this passage, uh, what we're going to see is that Paul is writing to these Christians in Ephesus uh, and, and talking to them about how they are no longer walking in darkness because they have been, in, they have been saved by God's grace, that God has made them alive, that they're saved by the grace of God through their faith, not a result of anything they've done. And so he's telling them they have, uh, they have no, they are no longer walking in darkness, but now they are walking in the light in the world through Christ. And so he calls on them as the light to walk as children of the light because they're no longer in darkness. They are now the light in Christ. And the thing about their time period and the thing about our time period, because we're separated by, by almost 2,000 years worth of history between the people that are being wrote to here and then the people that we have and we are today. But their culture and their society is a lot similar to ours. Uh, they were living in darkness where people were rejecting God and pursuing their self, uh, pursuing uh, all manner of, of lust and immorality and, and covetousness and greed and violence and slander. And that sounds a lot like our time period today too, doesn't it? And so human nature doesn't change. It stays the same. God is the one who comes in and he makes us new. But apart from that, human nature is the same. And so the same thing that was written to the Christians in Ephesus to today it is going to be the same thing, the same message that God has for us. 
And that is, since Christians are the light in Christ, we should walk as children of the light. So let's, let's pray together and ask the Lord to help us as we look at his word today. Father, we do come to you, Father, and we ask that you would help us as we look at your word, that you would give us understanding of it, that you will help us to, to apply these truths to our life, that you will show us Christ, and that you will, will help us to see what it means to live as the light in this world. Father, we know this light comes from you and by your grace. And so, Father, help us always to cling to your grace and the truth of your son that shed his blood for us, died and rose again, that we could be forgiven and have eternal life. Father, we thank you so much for all you do for us in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to look here, Ephesians 5, uh, looking in verses 7 through 14. Verses 7 through 14. It says, and therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is the word of the Lord. Let us thank God for it. And so what Paul's doing in this passage as we, as we dive in here is he's really, he's expanding on and he's adding to the arguments that he made last, last, in the last passage. So like if you're with us last week, you'll remember that, that Paul was making this argument that, that as Christians, we should have, take no part in, not have it named, and avoid all forms of sexual immorality and covetousness. And impurity, and along with that, you would see filthy talk, foolish talk, and crude joking. That was his his argue, argument, or his his implications, his command that he wanted us to see that we should avoid those things because, and this is why, those things are out of place for the Christian, for the one who follows Christ. Those things are not proper, like we see in verse three, that they must not even be named among you. Because it is improper for the saints. Those things are improper. And in verse 4, we see those things are out of place. And so instead of partaking in immorality, impurity, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking, we, we are to put those away and instead praise God and be thankful to God for what he has given us. And so the arguments that he makes for that for the reason we're supposed to avoid that is because they're out of place, they're not proper, and and we also see there in verse 5 that, that those things bring about the wrath of God, that those who do them do not have eternal life. Those who persist in immorality, covetousness, greed, impurity, uh, they, they do not have eternal life and they will experience the wrath of God. That is the argument that Paul is making, that those things should be avoided because they're out of place, because they're not proper, and because God's wrath will come upon those who persist in those things. And he simply, what he does today is just add to that argument. 
adds another reason why we as Christians should avoid all forms of immorality, impurity, covetousness, filthy, foolish, crude talk, why we should avoid those things. And he, and he gives us this new one there in verse 8, for at one time you were darkness. Now there in verse 7, we, we see that verse 7 is kind of the hinge between both of these passages. It says, therefore do not become partners with them. Well, who is the them that Paul is talking about? He's talking about those who live in sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, foolish, filthy, crude talk, that we are to not become partners with them. The idea there is partakers or sharers, that we are not, as Christians, to share in the immorality, impurity, covetousness, foolish, crude, filthy talk. We're not to share in those things. We're not to be partakers of those things. So we don't partner with the world in those sins. And then he tells us why. For at one time you were darkness. So in the past, our past, before we followed Christ, Paul's saying you were darkness. That is your old man. If you remember when we talked about in, in chapter 4, that we're to put off the old man and to put on Christ, the new man. And he's referring back to that old man here. You were once darkness. You once were following the course of this world. If we echo what Paul says in Ephesians 2, you were once dead in your sins. You were once following the way of this world. You were once under the wrath of God, but God made you alive in Christ. So now you once were in darkness, but now, verse 8, you are light in the Lord. So once you were in darkness, you were a slave to your sin. You were wandering around hopeless without God, but then God showed up in a mighty way, made you alive in Christ, made you his own. You trusted him, and now because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you are the light in Christ. You are the light. Therefore, verse 8, walk as children of the light. That's just another way of saying what he already said in the previous verses, verses 1 through 7, when he says, avoid these things. Walk as children of the light is just another way of saying avoid sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, foolish, filthy, crude talk. Another way of saying that is just to say, walk as children of the light. And the argument that he makes there is simply because you are no longer in darkness. You are no longer a child of this world. You are a child of God who has been given the spirit of God, who has been given a new nature. You are no longer enslaved to your former self and your sin. You have been set free from those things in Christ. Therefore, Paul tells us, God tells us in his word, walk as children of the light. And then he begins to explain for us what that looks like. Verse 9. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And so to walk as children of the light is to walk and live a life that is based on the goodness of God, the righteousness of God, and the truth of God, all of which we discover in God's very own word. Because God in his word has told us what it means to glorify him, what it means to serve him, what it means to trust him. God is the standard of right and wrong. We as humans, we don't have the ability to do that. We don't get to determine what right and wrong is. 
God does. He's the creator. He is the one that is holy and just and righteous. And so if God says something is wrong, then it is wrong. If God says something is right, then it is right. God is the one who tells us all that is good, right, and true. And so to live or walk in the light means to live in the goodness, the truthfulness, and the righteousness of God. In every circumstance that we find ourselves in. And so he says there in verse 10, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So he's saying, you're children of the light. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. So in whatever circumstance you find yourself in, when you're at school, at lunch, and the boys at your table are telling filthy jokes. When you're at work, in the locker room, and the people there are talking nasty and doing terrible things. When you are tempted to, to fall into sin in some various way, think about what it means to live in the light. Think about what is right, good, and true, and discern how can I please God in this situation? How can I please God in this situation and, and live in the, in the truth, in the goodness, and in the righteousness of God? Whatever situation you find yourself in, try to discern, determine what pleases God. God. And then he goes on and he continues this this command that he gave earlier. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. And so he he reiterates the, the command that he gave us before, the implication he gave us beforehand last week to avoid those things, to avoid the darkness. And by darkness, what does he mean? Well, we have to go back up to, to verses one through seven. Sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, filthy, foolish talk, crude joking. That we are to avoid those things. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. And so we are to take no part in that. We're to walk as children of the light. Living a life that's focused on all that is good, right, and true. Figuring out, determining from God's word and prayer and by the spirit of God inside of us what pleases God, what honors God. But then he, he adds to this command. And so from verses one through all the way down to what we've looked at so far into verse 11, he, he's repeated the same command. Avoid these things. Run from these things. Do not partake or partner with these things. Don't even talk about these things in detail. Because they're out of place. They're not proper. God's wrath is coming. You are not darkness anymore, but you're light. So avoid these things. Take no part in them. Walk as the light. And so it's all been those things. But now he adds to this implication, this command here. And notice what he says there. He says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead what? Expose them. Expose them. And so not only are we to avoid those things, we are to expose those things. We are to bring those things to light. Then he goes on and tells us why. For it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. 
Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Notice that verse 13, though, when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. So we, as the light, when we expose the darkness, it becomes visible for what it is, darkness. But we have to ask ourselves, what does that even mean? How do we expose the darkness? Because the the natural response would be, well, to expose the darkness means I need to go shout from the rooftops and yell and scream and whatever it may be. Like, have any of you seen that one really strange church from not Texas that carries around the, the pickets and the signs that says all these hateful things and really just causes a, a ruckus at different funerals and different things like that? I'm not even going to mention their name because I, they're not really a church. They claim to be, but they don't worship God. And so, but that type of thing is not what we're called to do. We're not called to go and, and just raise a fuss and yell and scream and be hateful at people. That's not what it says to expose. Because notice what it says here. It says, for it is shameful to even speak of what they do in secret. And so somehow we're supposed to expose those things in a way that we're not in detail talking about what they're doing because it is so shameful that we should not speak about those things, so shameful that it should not even be named among us. So how is it then that we, are, we expose this darkness? I believe it's by living as the light. As you have the Holy Spirit of God inside of you, and as you live a life that is distinctly different from this world, you will bring the light with you wherever you go. You will be the light because the light of God lives inside of you. And as the light, there are going to be times when you have opportunity to share the good news of Christ with others. There will be times when people wonder, hey, why don't you do what everybody else does? Like, like I've noticed everyone here, they're joking. They're doing all these things. You just kind of sit there and just kind of just kind of sit there. You don't partake in those things. Why, why is that? Why, why don't you act like everybody else? Why, why don't you carry on and, and take part in the foolish and filthy talk? Why, why are you so serious about your vows to your spouse? Why are you so serious of, of not being improper with your boyfriend or your girlfriend before you married. Why, why about those things? And we're told in, in, in the New Testament that we need to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have, to give a reason or explanation. And so as we live as the light in this world, there will be times when, when the world, one, is going to be uncomfortable because they're like, this is, this is a little strange. But that's going to provide opportunity for us to be able to share the good news of Christ. And so when we see our friend, when we see our brother, our sister, our husband, our wife, believer, unbeliever, when we see them walking down a path that is wrong, we first start with prayer. And then we start by living as the light of Christ because he enables us to do that. And we also look for opportunities to be able to share the good news with them because it doesn't say we shouldn't talk to them at all. Notice what it says there in verse 14. 13, when, when anything's exposed to the light, it becomes visible. 
14, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That word there in verse 14, that phrase, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you, I believe is a picture of what we are called to do with our friends and our loved ones who are walking in sin and walking in the darkness. Uh, a metaphor that the Bible uses or a picture that the Bible uses for death sometimes is sleep. Is sleep. And if you remember on our sins, we are what? We are dead in our sins and in our trespasses. And so when we see people who are living a life of darkness, rejecting the truthfulness, the goodness, and the righteousness of God, we can assume that they are asleep spiritually. They are dead spiritually. And so we go to them and we ask them and we say to them, awake, know God, trust God, trust God, come to God, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Notice what has to happen first. They have to come to life first. They have to be made alive first. They have to trust Christ first. Notice Paul doesn't say here that you try to convince them that they're living a life that is wrong. He says, no, you try to convince them to come to Christ. God will take care of those things. That doesn't mean we're locked on sin. We, we reject it. We run from it. But we must, as Christians, be more concerned about the souls of unbelievers than making sure they're more moral. Because... We can convince people that their lifestyle is wrong and they're still going to hell because they don't trust Christ. We can convince people that their lifestyle is wicked and unnatural. But if that is all we do, then we have not actually shown them love. For love is telling the people the truth about Christ and telling others the truth about Christ. And so first and foremost, we go and we say, Know Christ. Trust Christ. More times than not, you'll probably hear, get away from me. I don't want to follow Christ. I want to live in my sin. I want to live in my darkness. We know from John 3, the Bible tells us that's going to happen because people love the darkness more than what? The light. But here's the good news. Jesus is the light of the world. And he is an all-powerful light that breaks through even the darkness of darkness. And so Jesus has the power to overcome even the most hard-hearted of sinners. Look at your own life. Look at my life. God was able to break us down and save us. Even when we were dead in our sin, he can do the same thing for others. And so as Christians, we are called to live as lights in the world because we have the light of God inside of us. And we do that by one, seeking to discern what pleases God. We know what pleases God because the word of God tells us it is all that is right, all that is true, and all that is good. And so in whatever situation we find ourselves in, we, we ask ourselves, what, what, it, what should I do in this situation that is right, true, and good? What do I do in this situation that is right, true, and good and brings honor to God? To live as the light, we should avoid the works of darkness. Not only do we 
seek to do what pleases God, to discern, to understand what pleases God, but we also seek to avoid those things that don't please God, to turn from the darkness because we're no longer darkness. We live in the light because we have Christ inside of us, but we also should seek to expose the works of darkness, to expose the works of darkness. And we do that by living as the light in the world. Yes, there are going to be times when you have conversations that are difficult and you do discuss sin, but it should never be so detailed that it becomes shameful and crude. We can talk about sin without going into explicit detail, for it is shameful to speak of some sin that happens in secret. But still, we can expose them and show how the way of God is a better way, a holy way, a good way that honors God and brings glory to his name. So you are the light in Christ. And since you are the light in Christ, if you trusted Christ, if you come to know him, you are the light. And as the light, we're called to live in that light, to live as the light, discerning what pleases God, avoiding the works of darkness and living as the light so as to expose the works of darkness around us everywhere we go. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the fact that you have transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your son. Father, that we no longer walk in darkness, but that through your son, we walk in the light. And so, Father, help us to, to know all that is right, all that is good, all that is true. Help us to avoid all the unfruitful works of darkness, knowing that they are out of place, that they uh, are, are shameful to even speak of, that these things bring about your wrath. But, Father, we thank you that through your son we are, can escape. Because, Father, we know we're not perfect and we know we still fall into even these works of darkness. And so, Father, we thank you that by your, by your grace you've forgiven us through Christ and that by your grace and by your spirit, you give us the ability to live a life that honors you and glorifies you as we seek to know you and trust you more and more each day. Father, we, we thank you for the good news of the gospel that makes all this possible for us, that you became a man to save us from our sins, that you lived a perfect life, took on our sin on the cross, died, rose again, that we can be forgiven and have eternal life, not because of anything we've done, but because of the grace that you've shown us and our faith in you. And so, Father, help us to cling to that faith each and every day. And, Father, I pray if there is anyone that hears the word today, the message today, the gospel today, that hasn't trusted you, that they would trust you today and know you and follow you, that they too can have the peace, the eternal life, and the hope that we all have as your followers, as your children. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.